Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. How are you guys today? Everybody good? Awesome. Awesome. My name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors here at LifePoint. For those of you here in the room, welcome. For those of you worshiping with us online, welcome to you guys as well. We love you so much. And hey, would you guys give these folks a big hand, everybody? Everybody watching at home, everybody, wherever they're at. So glad you're here. Hey, just real quick, for those of you who are new here and you've never been to the series that we do every year called At The Movies, we normally do it in November. We're moving it up a little bit. I'm just kind of reworked our whole fall preaching calendar um, just because of the way I felt that the Lord was leading me. Um, but this is, we're not going to sit in here and watch a movie, just FYI. We're going to preach uh, on screen and there will be... There'll be some clips that we use, like parables, like modern-day parables, to illustrate some of the points. Um, but this is the season where we see more people come to faith uh, at LifePoint than in any other season, bar none. We have more, more guests who come because you guys who've been here, you know uh, how we do it and what we do and why it works. And you bring your friends and your neighbors, and God does incredible things in their lives. And so for that season, and we're going to just kind of see how long it goes we're going to add a Saturday night gathering at 5 o'clock uh, every Saturday during the, that series and, and probably through the end of the year. We like to try stuff around here, and like, like we just moved service times last week because uh, we were trying to create some room in this room, and that's worked so far. I mean, it's pretty full, uh, but there's not 70 people in the lobby, okay, which is what was kind of going down before or more. Um, so a lot more people have been coming to the other gatherings, um, and so thank you for joining us here. And uh, we'll do Saturday night. And my encouragement is that this is your home church, that you come on Saturday and you uh, worship, and then you work one of these three gatherings you, you serve here. Is that cool? We work one, we worship one, that's what we do. And, uh, and we'll just see what happens, and we'll just kind of go with the flow uh, that God wants us to have. Amen, everybody? All right, um, we're starting a brand new teaching series today. We're calling Roots, uh, Stability in a Shaking World. Um, so let me tell you how this went down. We kind of plan the teachings for the year. We put some ideas on calendars. We kind of keep them loose because we want to just follow God, right? Uh, and so a couple of, three or four weeks ago, I'm sitting right there where my wife's sitting right now. And I'm just praying, God, what do you want to say? What do you want to do? And he just dropped this word, roots. And, and that doesn't happen to me a lot. I'm not one of those guys like, hey, here's what the Lord told me today and, and, and five minutes ago. You know, a matter of fact, when the folks, I, I have people in my life who are like, man, God said this, God said that, God said that. I'm like, man, he talked to you more than he talked to Moses, you know, and <laughs> like the prophets, you know. Uh, so I'm like, eh, maybe that's him and maybe that's just you. But anyways, I'm not, I know God can't speak, y'all. I'm not discounting that. But I feel like he really did. And um, so I sketched out the, the, the series, these three weeks that we're going to do this. And, and that's what we've been kind of doing um, the last, I don't know, several months, just kind of going, God, what do you want? What is the Spirit saying? Um, what do you want us to say and what do you want us to do? And, and just kind of flowing with, we've always said we want to be a church that just follows, like the people of Israel, they follow the cloud by day, the fire. We, we just want to be those kind of people. Just, God, what do you want? It's your church. How are you leading? Does that make sense, everybody? So, so I'm going to tell you why we're doing this series um, briefly. I'm going to set up, a lot of times we set up the tension, the problem, and then we go, here's maybe a solution to the problem. And so, the start of the series, I'm going to tell you why. In 2020, as all of you know, our world changed dramatically and in so many ways. And I'm not going to try to spend a lot of time talking about all those ways. <clears throat> but one of the things that we, we, we who work in the church world, 
saw right out of the gate was that churches, and I know it wasn't just churches, it was everybody faced a lot of challenges immediately <clears throat> where whatever, we, whatever church looked like before, it didn't look like that anymore. And um, so by, the end of, by this time last year, uh, the Barner Research Group, who does a lot of research, particularly with churches and, and gospel-centered things, had done a tremendous amount of research from April to October and the, the data they came out with was really startling, but yet we all, those of us who lead churches, we all saw this is exactly what happened. And here's the takeaway point. There was all these data points, but one of them that, was, that sort of stopped me in my tracks last October was that 32% of Christians in America um, walked away from faith. One third said, yeah, I don't, I don't want anything to do with that. And, and some of it was because people they love died, and they're like, what kind of God could let my mom or my sister or my brother? And some of them were deeply affected by what happened in June, or May and June, uh, all the racial uh, strife that was happening. Um, the, 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 when, so when churches were reopening, there was people who were like, you should have, you should have never closed, and you should have opened, and, and everybody was fighting, and you should wear a mask, or you shouldn't wear a mask, you should get the vax, you shouldn't get the vax. You guys are still living in the same world I'm living in, right? It's still going on, right? And so for, for whatever reason, people handed all that, and so some of them are just like, done, I'm done, I'm walking away. And, and here at LifePoint, we saw that same picture, went, went into that season, opened this building. You guys were here, some of you were here. We opened this building on February the 16th, closed it down March the 8th. Tw- 12 years of, of trying to have our own space, gone like that. Around 1,300 people coming on the weekends, getting ready to add services because we didn't know where to park people. It was crazy. We reopened 300 people. And, and, and it's not about the numbers. That's not the point. It's just that so many people walked away. And, and I have a lot of friends who pastor churches here and all around the country. And without exception, this is what we all saw. So the thoughts were running through my head then and they still are now is how does a virus of the body cause one-third of people who would profess the name of Jesus to catch a virus of the heart and soul so that they would go, yeah, I'm done, man. <clears throat> to the extent that so many people would walk away, not just from churches, but from God. And I think, I think what happened and continues to happen on some level is a bit of prophecy unf- unfolding and prophecy that was prophesied in the Old Testament and even through the words of Jesus, this is what Jesus says is going to happen at the end of the age. He says, at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Now, we think false prophets are people espousing another kind of religion, but no, no, no. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about ideologies and systems of the world that get created by people, by men, that draw people away from the true and living God. And this happens in our universities, and our colleges. It happens all over the world, right? And, and, and he calls them false prophets. Jesus, this is the words of Jesus. They'll, they'll, they'll appear to deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most, this is the wrong word here. This is the NIV, but all of the other translations say the love of many. Uh, I think that's the right word. The love of many will grow cold, but the one who stands firm, would you say this with me? The one who stands firm to the end will be saved. The one who stands firm, this is such a significant phrase, and I want to unpack it during this series, but before we get there, let me, let me tell you one more verse. Hebrews chapter 12. If you don't know the Bible, Hebrews is towards the back end of the, of the Bible. No one knows who wrote, wrote it, but it's full of wisdom. It's written to, to, the, to the Hebrews, to the Jewish people, but it affects our lives with so much truth. 
And there's this incredible, chapter 11 is, is famous, like it's the, it's the hall of fame. Chapter 12 is a little less famous, but it's, empower, it's incredibly empowering and powerful. But in verse 27, um, the syntax, the, the way it's written is confusing, so I want to just tell you what it means. It says that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. So what that means is that um, all there is coming a day, and I think we're seeing this now, that every system that is man-made, every governmental system, every man-made idea, all of the, the, the ideas that are for men and by men uh, are being shaken. Um, all of the, the, sh- the systems of mankind, think about the political realm. You got a lot of trust in that right now? Come on, or, or have you in a, come on, in a long time, right? Uh, how about financial? Everybody, can, everybody happy with the way the financial systems of the world are working right now? Come on. Somebody like, yeah, man, it's going good, but wait till tomorrow, all right, because we don't know, right? Uh, right, right, societal, right? You don't know what's going to change society, the, the, the codes, all, everything's changing all the time, right? All of it's shaking and people are being shaken off. And, and, and it tells us that it's only going to intensify as, the, as what he calls the day of the Lord approaches. At, that, 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 that at the end of it, the Lord himself is going to shake the heavens and the earth like massive destruction. So, so if it's built by men and for men, it's coming down. You, you just got to know this. This is what it says. And of course, that means that anybody who would then put their trust in those man-made systems of this world will lose their faith, will lose their hope. Yes? Right? So I'm thinking about all that right now and what it, does it look like to stand firm and all of that and what does it look like to develop strong roots? But here's the good news. The next verse, Hebrews 12, 28 says that therefore, in light of what we just heard, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom, which is what we've been preaching about this, the past several weeks, that what? Cannot be shaken, everybody. Come on, that's the good news. Let us then be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. And I didn't put it here, but it, the next part is because is our God is a consuming fire. <laughs> Woo, that's a little terrifying. Come on, y'all. I like it though. I like it because I'm part of a kingdom and you're part of a kingdom that while all the shaking is going on, cannot be shaken. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken, but we are part of an unshakable kingdom, and the response to that is you should worship God for it. Amen? But what so many of us who lead churches learned last year and have seen again in this year is that so many believers have so little spiritual foundation. They have low or little or shallow roots so, so that when the storms of life came, when the challenges like we'd never seen before in COVID and race relations and political agendas and masks and vaccines, when all that came rolling through, people lost their footing, lost their way. 32% just walked away. Many have not still returned, but guess what? I'm believing, that I'm not looking that 32% walked away as a terrible thing because I just think it means there's a great revival coming back. People who walked away coming back to faith. I believe that with all my heart. So this is the problem. That's, that's why we're doing this series. Does that make sense? This is a problem. People, people have lost their footing and things are going to get worse, I believe. And I hate to be a doomsday sayer, but I think it's going to happen that way. Maybe it'll get better for a while. But eventually, like the Bible go- is saying things are not going to look good, but we're supposed to look up because our redemption is drawing nigh, right? So, so if things are getting shaky, what's going to keep us rooted and grounded in Jesus? So I just want to start a conversation. Not the be all end all, three weeks. 
I, I hope that you'll start thinking about this, that you maybe have conversations with your children, your family. Uh, and, 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 and can I just see the hands of people who really want to root and ground themselves in Jesus? Can you raise your hands? Okay, thank you. I'm going to talk about three kinds of roots today, spiritual stability. We're going to talk about generational stability with our families next week, and then we're going to end with financial stability, stability in a shaking world. But here's the foundational text, Psalm 92. It's on our wall just outside there if you want to go read it. It is a psalm. It is a song for the Sabbath day, my Bible says. I hope your your Bible probably says the same thing. Probably written by David, but we don't know. Here's what it says, verse 12. The righteous will, say this with me, will flourish. So look at the similes here. Like a a palm tree. This would have been a date tree because they've been around for 7,000 years or whatever. And the folks in that region have relied on them. They will, come on, say, they they will grow like a cedar tree. Of Lebanon, so so like a palm tree. But when you think about palm trees, think about the hurricanes that come around this season. They they are they are tropical systems, tropical storms. They tend to strike island nations, and there are a lot of palm trees there. If you've not been, and those palm trees can bend forty five degrees and not break because of their root system, because of the way they're made. And 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 so David says the righteous are going to flourish like a palm tree, and they're going to grow like a cedar of Lebanon. These are also called the cedars of God, mentioned all throughout the biblical text. This is what Solomon used to build the temple of God. They were, they were, they were craved because they were tall up to, uh, rarely, but sometimes up to 120 feet tall. Uh, they were beautiful. They were, they were strong. They were fragrant. They were magnificent. Uh, all words to describe the cedars of Lebanon, slow growing, which is where their strength comes from. The Phoenicians, the earliest and greatest seafaring nation, nations were, they built their ships from these, these timbers. And, and to this day, there is a region where they are protected. They are a UNESCO heritage, world heritage site um, because of their magnificent beauty, right? How, how will, though, how will the righteous flourish like a palm tree? How will they grow like a cedar of Lebanon? The psalmist gives us the answer in verse 13. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will, what, flourish in the courts of our God. So seems a bit strange to think of a tree that's planted in a house, right? Or, or to have a courtyard, because most of us don't have that, right? We barely have a yard because we live in a neighborhood where they're shrinking the yards. Come on, can I get an amen? Some of you are like, praise God. I don't have to mow that much, right? Your dogs are like, I just have to go to the bathroom right here, you know? Yeah. Right? But David is writing this. Most likely it's David. He's writing this, and he lives in a region where they would build quadrangle-style houses, four sides with a central courtyard open to the sky, a garden there, and in the center of the garden, an olive tree, a palm tree, a date tree, or most likely a cedar tree of some kind, maybe even a cedar like, like they grew there in Lebanon. And so he's saying, he's saying that this image that he's giving us is that, that the righteous will flourish when they are planted in the center of God's house that we grow to our fullest capacity right in the middle of what God is doing in God's house. The Hebrew word for flourish is parach, and it means to, to bloom profusely. And he's not even talking about flowers so much as he's talking about fruit. And we see that in verse 14. He says, they will still, the righteous will still bear fruit in old age. They, they will stay, look at this, fresh and green, proclaiming The Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no wickedness in him. So in Hebrews, we saw worship at the end and and in the Psalms, we see worship at the end. 
And, and he says that those who are planted in the house of the Lord will remain fruitful all the way into their older ages. Why? Why are they fresh and green? Because they're going, hey, God, I don't care how old I get. I believe you can use me all the way till my last breath. And, and so they have this posture, hey, I'm planted in God's house, wherever their church is, hey, church, use me, help me, let me do whatever I can. And they're fruitful all the way to the very end because they're planted in the house of the Lord. And it's an amazing song that, that I think David writes here. It's a song for the Sabbath meant to be sung on the Lord's day. And I think we can learn a lot about rootedness from this psalm. But I want to, I want to talk about, before I get there, I want to talk about some things that can get in the way of that kind of rootedness that are challenging you and I right now, all of us, those of you at home, those of you listening later on on a podcast, um, there are some challenges, some obstacles, there are some weeds, since we're talking roots and trees, there are some weeds that can grow inside of our hearts that can become obstacles to this kind of rootedness. Paul writes to his son in the gospel, um, Timothy, and he says, and there's, there's some last days coming, and I believe that we're living in these days, just my opinion, um, that, that there, are, there are some last days coming. He says, he says Timothy, mark this. Like, like, I want you to write this down. I want you to underline this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. They will be lovers of money. They will be boastful, proud. They will abuse one another with their words, with what they write, with what they text, with what they tweet. Come on, can I get an Amen. They are, they are disobedient to their parents. And then look at these unwords. They are ungrateful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving. These are weeds. These are, you know, the Bible talks about weeds and wheat, that they grow together a lot of times. And I wish I could get into all of that. And maybe I will next week. But there's this, this notion of weeds and wheat growing together. And sometimes, um, even though we would be considered like, like symbolically wheat that God is going to harvest and we're going to go to heaven, whatever, there's weeds there that we got to be watching for. So he says, like, we, we think of the ends of times, if you grew up in a church like I did, it's like earthquakes and wars and rumors of wars, and by the way, all those are happening. We don't really think of attitudinal type things like these. So he says people are going to be ungrateful. They're going to be focused on what they want. They're going to be greedy. They're going to forget to be thankful for what they already have. They're going to always be looking for what's next and not be grateful for what they already, what, what's here now. That there's a sense of entitlement that people will have at the end. Like everybody owes me something. The government does. My family does. Everybody owes me something. I'm entitled. And some of us have our trees planted in this kind of soil. Like, the, like there's this book called the, Pro, uh, the Progress Paradox that talks about the fact that the more we're getting, that Western civilizations, countries, that the more we get, the mi more miserable we get. That, that there is an inverse proportion to how much we have to our own happiness level. That even though we're getting more and more and more, we're, we're less happy than we've ever been in our history. Progress paradox, right? He says we're going to be unholy. Meaning, meaning whatever God wants, we're going to end up doing things that are not what God wants, right? We're making choices about entertainment and hobbies and pursuits that are polluting our hearts, are polluting the soil that the roots are, are being put down into. Does that make sense, everybody? Like, like, like it matters what goes into our hearts and mind because we, the old saying is garbage in, garbage out. He says that, that in the end of the ages, people are going to be unloving, that families are going to split up and, and argue and fight over politics and masks and vaccines and, and stuff. This is going to happen, that, that, that the love of many are going to grow cold, Jesus says. It's tragic for people who are on the receiving end of this, these, these, these attitudes, but the damage that it does to our own hearts 
is incalculable. He says that we're going to be unforgiving. And this is a huge one. When I think of all the things that rob the, the soul of joy and peace and contentment and flourish, this is number one, that people get injured and wounded by other people and they won't forgive them. They won't let it go. They can't move on. And then in verse four, he says this. He says that people will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Like they used to love God. They used to have a heart for God, but man, they're so focused on more and stuff and happiness. And so, so this, is a, this, this, this lovers of pleasure is a compound Greek word, phileo, which means love, and hedonos, which means pleasure. So, so it's used five times. Hedonos is used five times in the New Testament. And every time it conjures up an image of people who are consumed, consumed with, materialism and pleasure and self so that there's no space left in them for the love of God. And Paul isn't just talking about people who don't know Jesus. In fact, he's talking to people who do know Jesus. Timothy, you're going to be around people. Timothy's a pastor. You're going to be around people. In your own churches, they're going to have some of this going on. He's saying people who used to love God are now have so little room in their heart for him because they love pleasure more and God isn't really part of their lives They've got their roots planted in the soil of hedonism, pleasure. And this is representative of the shallowness of roots, why people shift and why people get blown around and why people can't stand strong because we have selfish uh, uh, priorities and shallow priorities and there's apathy about the things of God and and God's house and there's a lack of biblical awareness and and knowledge and depth of of God's word and not living from a gospel-centered perspective. These are obstacles to being rooted in the life of Christ. This is part of why one-third of the people just are like, done, bro, done. And more will in the future if we're not planted, flourishing in God's house. So because when we have shallow roots, we are more prone to getting blown around. So James says there, there are people that are gonna be blown around by every wind of doctrine. Right? He says, he says that we become unstable because we're double-minded. Like I, on Sunday, I plant my soil, my roots in the soil of God's house for like an hour, but then the rest of the week, I'm going to plant my soil over here in materialism and hedonism and, 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 self-sac- and, and self-pursuits, right? And, and then he says, we're unstable in all of our ways. James says this, the little brother of Jesus, right? But what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is your growth will only be as good as its source. The, the, the roots can only be as good as the soil that they're planted in. Yes or no, right? You grow where you're planted and your growth will come from the source. Your growth will be only as good as the soil is planted in. Do you remember the parable that Jesus gives Matthew 13? Seven parables of the kingdom. We talked about this last week. Matthew 13, uh, three through eight, he says that there, a farmer went out and started sowing seeds, like planting seeds. And the seeds, which were the word of God, he tells us later, they're the word of God. They fall on four different kinds of ground. He says, number one, they fall on the pathway, which are, which are hardened because they've been walked all over. He says, and then the second is that there was soil there, but there was too many rocks and the soil was shallow. And so then he says, and the third thing is there's soil, but it's surrounded by the thorns, which are the cares of life, he tells us later on. Like they're, they're, they're distracted by all of the pursuits of life. And then four, he says, there's good soil, soil free of rocks. Soil where the hard places have been tilled up, softened. Soil where the thorns of life, all the cares of life, all the distractions of life have been dealt with, priorities reimagined. And then Jesus says this in Matthew 13, 20. He says, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to somebody who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. 
so that when trouble or persecution comes, they quickly fall away. Roots matter. Soil matters. Four types of soil, three develop no roots and die. The only the, only the good ground produces growth. The farmer threw the same seeds onto all four soil types, so it's not a seed problem. It's a soil problem. And your heart and my heart is the soil. And we have control over what kind of ground it will be. And this is why the psalmist says the righteous are flourishing like a palm tree, growing like a cedar of Lebanon because the soil they're planted in is in the center of the house of God. And, and they're flourishing there in the courts of the God because of the soil. You with me? I hope this isn't too uh, like far out, but listen, the soil matters, everybody. The seed grows and develops strong roots where the soil is conducive to growth, to flourishing, to prosper, pros- prospering. And that's why the righteous get planted in the house of the Lord. That's why it matters where you're planted. It matters that you are planted, that you have roots that are going down. I know this sounds self-serving, but church matters. Right? Being in God's house matters. Maybe you can't make it because of whatever and you're at home. As long as you're thriving there online, praise God for that. But if you're struggling, man, and you can, get to God's house. I'm not talking about this one. It had to be this one. Like, like I'm, I'm so grateful that you're here, but find a house of God and be planted there. That's what I'm, I'm suggesting here. Your growth is only as sustainable as its source. And listen, the source isn't the physical house of God. It's not the building as an entity. It's who shows up in this building. It's what happens in this building and buildings like this one. God, by his spirit, comes here. Amen? The source of life, the the source of hope, the source of strength, it's what happens in the room. The word of God gets preached. The spirit of God moves in hearts and lives. Worship goes up. The presence of God comes down. The people of God gather together, encourage one another, Hebrews says, towards love and good deeds and God's work. We we're planting ourselves, listen, we're planting ourselves at the house of God in God's word, in God's presence and his power, in God's people and in God's work. This is what happens in the house of God. This is why people have deep roots and they flourish and they grow. This is it. This is why. God, it's not just about, hey, I came that one time right? I came those three weeks in a row. No, no, no. It's God begins to strengthen us over time in our inner being, Paul says. This is the prayer he prays for the Ephesian church. He says, I pray that you be strengthened in your inner being so that you can, you can grasp, he says later, so you can grasp the length, the breadth, the, the height, the strength of, of the love of God. He says, so that you'll be strengthened in your inner being. And something starts to grow week in and week out as we gather here. Seeds get planted. The hardened soil of our hearts, because we've been walked on in life or whatever, gets tilled up. The rocks start to get removed by the Spirit of God. The thorns that have wounded and damaged our hearts gets removed, and God begins to do repair over the places where there are hurts and habits and hang-ups and wounded places, the places of our heart that have been hardened to protect ourselves from the damage that's been done to us, God starts to strip away. He does surgery on the heart. And come on, some of us have showed up here weeks ago or months ago or maybe here or maybe somewhere else and we were wounded and we were hardened and we had tough exteriors because we had to to survive. But over the time, your hearts have grown a little softer and your heart is a little bit more healthy 
and the word is being implanted and the soil is getting oxygenated and you see that, don't you, right? You feel that. Come on, you feel that. Right? That's where the depth of stand in a shaking world comes from. It's the right environment. It's the soil. All of this is working together in God's house, God's word, and God's presence, and God's people, and God's work. All of it happening in the word, uh, in the house. And David says it's the righteous people. And you're like, well, that disqualifies qualifies me because I'm not righteous. No, no, no. It's not people who are righteous because of what they've done. It's people who've been declared righteous because of what Jesus has done on the cross. Because 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that God made him, Jesus, who, who knew no sin, to become sin for us. That in him we might become the righteousness of God. Like, 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 like my life was sinful and, and despite my best efforts at righteousness, there was no righteousness. Isaiah says that my righteousness was as filthy rags, but God made Jesus suffer on a cross, put him on a cross, right? To, to suffer and pay for the sins of the world so that his righteousness could be put in my account so that when, when God sees me, he doesn't see me by what I've done or not done. He sees me by the blood of Jesus Christ, the perfect sin, sinless lamb of God. His righteousness put on my life. The righteous will flourish in the house of the Lord and they will flourish in in the courts of our God. So this is why Jesus does this incredible teaching. John 15, I'm hurrying to a close. Let me read just a bit of it. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Come on, some of us want a genie God. God, I'm gonna rub my hands, I'm gonna pray a little prayer and you're gonna give me what I want. No, 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 your God is not a genie, your God's a gardener. And listen to me, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So you're getting cut a little in Jesus every day. Come on, somebody. That's why we talk about it here and we bring out the knife. (laughs) Cut you a little bit for Jesus. Right? Because that's what he does. But he he prunes so that it it will be even more fruitful. You see how this is all working together, everybody? You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Check this out. He says, remain in me. Come on, be planted in me as I also, what? Remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must, what? Remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. That's verse four. Verse five says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is saying in this passage that the way to grow and the way to flourish and the way to become, and the way to have roots, to, 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 to bear fruit, is to stay connected to the vine. Now remember with me about vines. The vine is not the branches that go off this way and that way, and if you've ever been to a, a vineyard at a winery or whatever, if you've ever seen, the, there's vines that grow up walls. Those are the branches. The vine is the thing that is connected to the ground. It is the thing that gives life to the branches. It's the rooted part of the deal. They, the branches can only reach out and grow and bear fruit because of their connection to the vine. So check this out. When you, we're talking about roots, you're not actually going to grow these roots yourself. You are because you are a part of the righteous that the psalmist declares already connected to the root. And the roots aren't you. The roots are Jesus himself. Isaiah said he's the root of Jesse. Revelation says the same thing. He is the 
beginning. He is the end. He's the one who Paul talks about. Look at this in Colossians chapter one. I'm going to get a little bit fired up. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things, come on, say that with me, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority. Now look at this part. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Mm. So when things start to shake, and they are, you want to hold on to something that's not going to move, and even better, you want to be held by someone who cannot be moved, who holds all things together. And Jesus says, I'm the vine. I'm the part that's deeply rooted in you are the branches. And if you'll just stay connected to me, you'll grow. And even more importantly, you'll actually begin to bear fruit. And I'll have to cut you a little here and there. But he also says that apart from me, you can do nothing. That's the good news. But here's the issue in our churches, this one for sure. And every other church I know is imagine if I plant a tree in my front yard and then three months later I go, eh, I don't like it there. I'm going to move it over here. Eh, it's not really growing the way I thought it was. I'm going to put it in the backyard. I'm going to dig it up. Come on, that tree is not only is it not going to be fruitful, how many of you know it's not even going to, it's not even going to survive at all. It must, Jesus says, it must remain. It must abide. You, you see that there in John 15. Jesus says, abide, that the secret to spiritual growth means to stay in a, abide means to stay in a given place, the same place right? And so what happens for a lot of us is a lot of Christians, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for like three weeks in a row. I'm going to read my Bible, and then I'm going to just miss church for six months, and then I'm going to come back, and then I'm going to go away, and I'm going to come back, and, and why aren't I bearing any fruit? Like, if that's you today, I'm not cracking on you, all right? I'm just talking to all of us, all right? Because all of us can do this in one way or another. But you can't grow. Like, and, 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 and let me say something that's going to cost me 12% of the church today. You can't just keep bouncing from church to church to church, and, and, and it's always somebody else's problem. Come on, somebody. And here's the thing, and at the end of the time, we, our kids want nothing to do with church because all we, they heard from us is all the bad reviews of all the churches that we sort of attended all of our kids' lives. Can I say that? I guess I just did. This isn't how we're going to have roots. You can't uproot all the time and bear fruit. You can't develop roots by being mobile all the time, jumping. And this isn't a, this isn't a hey, stay here. This is just find one and stay there. If it's here, praise God. If it's somewhere else, praise God. Find roots. Planting and replanting doesn't yield roots that remain. And here's the thing. We're going to talk about this next week. You may be strong enough to survive all these transplants, but your kids might not be. My kids don't want to go to church. They don't like the youth group. But, But as part of that, the fact that they've been in four youth groups in six years... Y'all get the car running. I might need to break out for out of here. I'm just going to say one more offensive thing. Don't blame the lack of fruit in your life on the church you attend. Have you put down roots? Don't blame your lack of depth spiritually on the preacher. Have you connected to the vine? It's not about you don't connect to a preacher. You connect to Jesus, the vine. The way you stand strong in an unstable world are the roots that you plant in God's house. What you need is constant, fixed value that does not change. There are no variables to things that are constant. And I could talk about a lot of things that are constant, but I want to give you the most important one. It's just God's word. 
It's God's word, everybody. Listen, people have tried to destroy it through the centuries. They've tried to burn it. They've tried to eradicate it. They'll try again. I promise you they'll try again in, in our day. But there is something that the Bible says that heaven and earth may pass away, but my word will not pass away. You can anchor your life. You can anchor your hope. You can anchor your trust in God's word and in Jesus. Flourishing happens when you're planted. Fruitfulness happens when you're planted. Vibrancy, green, and growth happens when you're planted. Longevity can happen when you're planted. Stability happens when you're planted. I'm going to just finish with the Word of God, just reading the Word of God. I'm not going to make any commentary. Just read it. Here we go. Psalm chapter 1, Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Next verse, please. This is 1 Corinthians 15. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Next one. James chapter 1, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Colossians chapter 2, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. One more from Colossians chapter 1, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister. If indeed you continue in the faith stable and steadfast not shifting because you're remaining planted in the house of the Lord planted in the house of the Lord they will flourish in the courts of our God. The righteous are like palm trees. They are like the, the cedars of Lebanon. They flourish. They're going to flourish. The righteous are going to flourish like that. Planted in the house. They're going to they're bear fruit into their old age. They're going to stay fresh and green. Their, wheat, their leaves, Psalm 1, are not going to wither because they stay planted in God's house. Roots. Roots. I wish I had a picture of roots from the Jimmy Fallon show. Come on with the little, the little pick in the top of the hair because that's, come on, y'all know the roots, they're good, right? Roots. Come on. Roots matter, everybody. Plugging in matters. Being planted matters. Being consistent matters. It's about the soil. It's about what the soil produces. It's not the seed's fault. It's the soil and you and I control that. We work on the attitude things, the, the, the last day stuff. We, if we're growing cold, we pay attention to that. We don't go, oh, it's just a season. I mean, no, no, no. God, stir up the, fr- the, Paul says to Timothy, stir up the gift of God inside of you. Fan it to flame. Pray, read God's word. Be around the people of God. Come on. This is how we grow. This is how we have roots that remain. So Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much for your word, Lord. God, if there's been any offense on anybody, let it, let it be directed at me, not, not at your, you, God, not at your word. Lord, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray. 
the people who would say, God, I want to grow. I want to be strong. God, I feel my, my own life being trans. I, I feel challenged because of, of what the Bible calls false prophets. God, all of these, these ideas and thoughts and systems, every one of them are going to shake and be torn down. Every single one of them. I care how smart they look, how, how perfect it seems, they're, they're coming down and only what remains is God's word. God's truth. And I pray that these people, many of them who, who would call me their pastor, Lord, would just hear my heart, my compassion. This is no arrogance. There's no, there's no cockiness here. This is just me saying, please, please, let's dig down roots in the soil of God's house, fruit that remains. Let's trust God at his word. And for anybody who's here in this room, and I just want to talk to you if you're in this room, just keep your head bowed just for a minute if you don't mind. I would say that's, Danny, I wanna, I've, never, I've never even begun a relationship. I'm not even connected to the vine. I didn't even know that, that, that Jesus died, that he paid the price so that my sins could be accounted for, so that my sins could be paid for. And I want to I wanna invite him in. I want to I invite Jesus to come and live in my heart, to, to be the forgiver of my sins, to be the Lord, to, to be my guide. I want to be connected to that vine so that whatever shaking happens, that, that the one who holds all things together is holding me. I want to put my hands in his hand. I want to place my life in his hands so that he's holding me. You can do that right here, right now, in the name of Jesus. Come on, you pray in your own way, Lord. Come live in me. God, let your spirit come make itself at home, himself at home in me, Lord. Make make i want to make you my lord i want to i want to declare with my mouth that that you are lord i want to i want to believe in my heart that god raised you from the dead lord that you paid the price for my sins that i can trust you that i can count on you to to save me god to take me from here to where you want me to go i trust in you i put my heart and my life in your hands i pray these things in jesus name amen hey life point can we celebrate all these folks real quick amen Amen. Amen. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.